0: Hey everyone, I hope you're doing well. What a time to be alive, right? I hope you're staying healthy and productive and upbeat during the season that threatens to bring us all down. And right now in Challenge, we're moving through a series called Intangibles. Now, I didn't play a lot of sports growing up, but from what I hear, coaches and people in the sports community tend to refer to intangibles as these sort of non-physical, character qualities that improve your game. Now, whether you play sports or not, I'm sure that you want to improve your game. We all want to improve our game in in life, the game of life. And so you wanna live in a victorious way that's going to grant you success in the long haul. I think we all want that. And we as challenge, we wanna help you do that. And so we've been looking at a variety of intangibles that matter even though they cannot be seen. 2 Corinthians 418 says, so we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So today, I'm gonna to briefly talk to you about a valuable quality that will reshape how you look at the world and greater success as you have a greater impact on the people around you. And that quality is humility. But first, let me pray. Father, thank you so much for what you're doing in this time behind the scenes, the things that we don't understand, but we humbly submit to your plan and your sovereignty in all of this. I ask that now you would make our hearts ready to hear what your truth, what your word, what your spirit have to tell us uh, through this time, through this next few minutes that we have. And I pray that um, we would just be united together as your body, as your community, and that we would be strengthened so that we can apply what we hear tonight. In your name, amen. So our my format for this is going to be five attributes. Five attributes of the humble versus the proud. The humble versus the proud. And hopefully, these biblical distinctions of the profile of a humble person will help you sort out What different areas of your life need work, need change in order to make your existence, your life less about you and more about God and the people around you? And so the first of these attributes is that the humble submit to reality, the proud succumb to delusion. We have to start here because living in a humble way begins with perceiving life in a humble way. Living in a humble way begins with perceiving Life in a humble way, seeing in a humble way. I want you guys to think of a character from a movie or TV show that's blatantly proud. Character, and I, I want you to think about that and then type the name of that character and the thing that they're from in the chat right now. Maybe they talk about themselves a lot or they put other people down. Perhaps they're a villain in this story or maybe they just like to show off a lot. But we see this archetype in our media, our movies, and TV quite a bit. And these are characters that we tend to pit ourselves against because we as the audience have an objective viewpoint that shows plainly to us that their sense of worth is inflated from reality. The example that I came up with is from the film Seven Samurai. It's a classic Japanese movie from the 50s that I watched last summer. It's a long one, but if you have three hours to spare, then I uh, encourage you to watch that. And There's a character from Seven Samurai named Kikuchio. Kikuchio. He's the guy with his sword on his shoulder, sticking up in the air. Throughout most of the movie, he is utterly convinced of his own awesomeness. Even as people try to rightly put him in his place, he maintains this illusion that he's a great and heroic warrior. Even in the picture you can see he has a kind of swagger to his posture. He's always holding his gigantic sword in the air as a kind of desperate signal of his own importance. I bring all this up because the point of a character like Kikuchio is to show us the delusion and self-deception of a person who thinks and sees life as if they are greater than they are. There are a few realities in life that I want to point us to that as you consider these things should put things in perspective. That you don't possess an inflated view of self. And the first of these realities is God's glory. God's glory. In uh, his book, Building Kingdom Character, the author Tom Yeakley says, true humility comes from an understanding of who we are in comparison to God. There's a 42 chapter book in the Bible called Job that teaches us a lot of heavy themes. And one of those themes is this idea of God's glory, God's worth. And for context in this book, God allows Job, a righteous man, to be afflicted in severe ways. For a while, Job continues to uphold God's goodness in spite of the tragedy, but over time he begins to doubt these things, and when he doubts, God responds in chapter 38 by asking Job all these kinds of questions like, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Where were you when I was making rhinoceroses or whatever kinds of crazy creatures? He just lists animals, and we can't compete with that. So for four chapters, God proclaims his own sovereignty throughout the universe, displaying that no human being can compare with him or question him. Then in chapter 42, Job responds, You said, Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. I had heard you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you, therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. This encounter with God instilled in Job a reverent and righteous fear of the Lord. You and I need to understand that God's glory is unmatched and we cannot compete. Obadiah 1.3 says, The pride of your heart has deceived you, you who live in the clefts of the rock, in your lofty dwelling, You say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? Think about that phrase. The pride of your heart has deceived you. Is that you? Has the pride of your heart deceived you? It is pure self-deception for us as sinful and created beings to walk in pride in light of a holy omnipotent God this reality should bring us low before God but thankfully we do not need to live in anguish over our condition, over this fact that's because of the second reality the first reality is God's glory, but the second reality is God's grace. God's grace. This is good news. Ephesians 2, 8-9 says, For by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. We are humbled by our own hopelessness. And we must remain humble even as we encounter the hope of salvation through faith. As Ephesians two says, it is not your own doing. So there is also humility in receiving this gift that we could never manufacture for ourselves. And so one more reality that we need to submit to is the value of others. The value of others. Philippians two three says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Our vertical humility toward God's glory and grace needs to result in a horizontal humility toward others that the Bible says we need to count as more significant. Count others as more significant than yourselves. Randy Lanthrop is an author and a speaker, a pastor, and he has a book called Attitudes of Success. And he writes, "'Humility is a key to gaining the right vantage point in life situations. Conversely, pride distorts our own importance so that we don't choose the best response. Our response to others in life situations reveals the pride or humility of our hearts. So think and pray about this. Have you humbly received God's grace? And if you have, are there still some areas of your heart that experience the distortion of pride toward God and others. Two, the next, uh, the second attribute that I want to talk about is that the humble depend on God, the proud depend on self. First Peter 5, 6 through 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. These two sentences seem pretty unrelated. What do humility and handling anxiety have to do with each other? I was reading and researching this and the ESV study Bible had a helpful word about these verses. And it says, the participle casting modifies the main verbal phrase, humble yourselves from verse six. Worry is a form of pride because it involves taking concerns upon oneself instead of entrusting them to god believers can trust god because as their father he cares for them are you entrusting the things in your life to god or are you trying to go it alone well independence and self-sufficiency seem appealing failing to rely on god demonstrates pride john strapazon he wrote this book called gear for the game And in it, he uses sports metaphors to talk about the Christian life. And he says, The playbook, which is God's word, says that not knowing the play or running the wrong play on the field of life is often the result of depending on and running our own plays and not taking the coach, who's God, and his playbook seriously. We're often confident in our own ignorance. This quote highlights the importance of relying on God through His Word. It's talking about the playbook, God's Word. While I always confidently express the Bible's importance, I've struggled before with actually humbling myself to read it every day. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I convince myself that I'll live my life just fine, even if I don't get in the Word. But a clear understanding of God's sovereignty and my own, my own fallibility shows that it's incredibly foolish for me to think that way. Another big way that we can depend on God is through prayer. Another quote from Building Kingdom Character says, prayer is an open acknowledgement that we can't do something on our own. When I fail to pray, it reveals that I think I'm skilled enough to make things go my way and solve my own problems. Again, that is foolishness. That's pride. Prayer acknowledges God's power and humbly chooses dependence upon Him. So what areas in your life are you trying to be self-sufficient in? I encourage you to put off the pride that says you have to do it all and cast all your anxieties, your hopes, and your requests on Him. The third attribute about humility and pride is that the humble seek wisdom but the proud seek status. A verse that I've recently memorized is this, Proverbs 1:5. It says, let the wise hear and increase in learning and the one who understands, obtain guidance. One thing I've been thinking about recently is how as I grow as a person, as a leader, and as a follower of Christ, it gets easier in a way to rest on what I've already learned. And as you get older, the temptation to stop learning arises. In this world, we can obtain some semblance of status if we show off our skills and our knowledge. But we have to reject this temptation because our goal should be to increase in learning, no matter how wise we get. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. Psalm 259, he leads the humble, what is right and teaches the humble his way it's been said that the only shortcut in life is teachability this means being humbly receptive to teaching from god's word from those who lead you and sometimes even from people you don't respect very much god can use all kinds of sources to show you what he wants you to learn right now another way of phrasing this whole idea is this humility seeks to understand, but pride seeks to be understood. Humility seeks to understand, but pride seeks to be understood. What does this mean? Proverbs 18.2 helps with this. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. I really like this verse (laughs) because it's a great reminder that my own opinions are not what's important. What's important is building my understanding as a disciple of Christ. This applies to spiritual wisdom and practical wisdom. So I got to ask you, do you expend a lot of energy trying to be heard to express your opinion? Maybe you need to consider how you can focus on listening more this week rather than trying to impress people with what you know. The fourth attribute of humility instead of pride is this. The humble honor and serve others. The proud think they're owed honor and service. This idea has a lot to do with what we first talked about, your perspective, the way you perceive life. And if your perspective is that the people around you, such as coworkers and roommates or family members don't deserve honor and service, then you're missing the point. Jesus sets the example in this quintessential verse on servanthood, he says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. To be a Christian is to be a follower of Jesus. To be a follower of Jesus is to be an imitator of Jesus. In The Fuel and the Flame, it's a book by Steve Shadrach. He says this, he says that Jesus illustrated in living color that the path to greatness is not up, but down. This idea of visual hierarchy, up and down, helps us see what it looks like to be a servant. At the time of Jesus, servants and slaves were the lowest numbers of society. So to follow his example, we need to stoop to that level and live toward others as if they are above us. When we choose service, we decline our rights, our comfort, and our preferences. Another word that helps flesh out the idea of treating others as greater than ourselves is the term honor. Honor. Romans 12:10 says, Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. The word outdo is really interesting here. It almost describes this act of showing honor as a kind of competition between between me and other people. And I'm not a very competitive person, but when I read this verse, it motivates me to lovingly win this game, I guess, of honoring others. And a lot of you have roommates, and I had many of them before I got married. One time a roommate of mine, he found this turtle in our backyard, and I think we named it Morgan Freeman or something, I don't know. And we were all into it, we were excited about the turtle. But the next day, when I wanted to take a shower, I go to the bathroom, I open the curtain, and the turtle was in the bathtub. My roommate had placed the turtle in the bathtub as its kind of terrarium or whatever. And um, that was such a ridiculous thing, I guess. And I'll do a lot of things, but I'll not shower with a turtle. For him and many roommates, I had to choose to honor them in spite of the things that bothered me. After the turtle situation, I learned more about what Romans 12:10 talks about. And we'd even, I'd repeat that verse to myself. As I picked up clutter and did dishes that weren't mine, my honor for them had to override my desire to uphold my rights. We've been sheltering in place for a while. So by now it's probably tempting to let the action or inaction of the people that you live with start to bother you. Because of that, I think it's, this is a great time to consider how you can outdo those you live with in showing honor and serving. When you want to demand something from those around you, remember to let God's glory and grace put you in your place. It's a little rhyme. Let God's glory and grace put you in your place and follow Jesus's example by humbling yourself to the lowest position. Finally, attribute number five, the humble will receive honor, the the proud will receive destruction. This seems pretty severe, but check out Proverbs 18.12. It says, before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. This is pretty much the same as the, the point I just made. and I kind of ripped it basically right out of the Bible. The humble will receive honor and the proud is going to receive destruction. And I think it's okay for me to rip off the Bible because I'm trying to be biblical with this. It may seem like in this life, those who try hard to get ahead in life and climb the ladder of success are the ones who ultimately reap honor. It really seems like that sometimes. It's a trap that we fall into in our minds. But the Bible says that God opposes the proud. God opposes the proud. So whether in this life or the next, those who elevate themselves will bear the weight of God's opposition. And as we saw earlier, no mere human can compare or go toe to toe with God, the God of the universe. Proverbs 22:4 says this, the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. Do you want to experience the life that God offers? Do you want to feel the fulfillment of a life poured out for others? Do you want to pursue wisdom for the rest of your life? Do you want to depend on God's infinite supply? And do you want to live in the reality of God's glory and grace? Search, search your heart. your actions. And ask God to reveal any areas in your life that are subject to the sin and deception of pride. Nobody wants to live in deception. And think through these attributes of humility to round out your life to make it pleasing to God. God is worthy of all your worship and your honor and your praise. Humble yourself under him today. Let's pray together. Father, we are in awe of you, and we acknowledge and recognize your sovereignty and your glory over us. And God, that means that toward you and toward everybody around us, each one of us needs to search our hearts and weed out the pride and deceit within us, the distortion within us that causes us to elevate ourselves. Father, we we choose to agree that this is foolishness. So rid our hearts of that and help us to find from your word, from this time that we've spent, to make applications that will help us to live a more humble life before you and others. Help us in this, Lord. In your name. Amen.